Hey guys, this is Daniel Burnett with trainlikearanger.com. Today I have a special guest, Nicholas Ron. He runs a nonprofit called Warriors Next Adventure. It's a nonprofit to help veterans with PTSD, anxiety, and depression through recreational therapy. Nick is also planning on a documentary about jujitsu and how it helps veterans combat PTSD and uh, mental health. So that being said, I'm going to go ahead and pull Nick in here and we'll get talking about all these things. Very excited to have him. How are you doing, Nick? Good, man. How you doing? I'm good. So for, for guys who don't know, me and Nick have actually done a podcast before on his channel. So you guys might go check that out. Uh, where, where can they find that one, Nick? Um, I'd have to think about it for a second because I stopped doing just audio. I've been downloading the audio for all the video ones that I've been doing, but I've been using StreamYard, so most of them are on YouTube. Do you remember if ours was video or was it just uh, audio? Uh, I, we did do it on StreamYards. Uh, I remember there being an audio. It should be on YouTube and Facebook then. Awesome. So uh, if you guys if you guys want, go check that one out. And uh, thank you for coming on mine, Nick. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Yeah, so uh, starting out, I just kind of wanted to talk about Warriors Next Adventure and, you know, have you go into what that is and and uh, how that came about? Sure. Yeah. So uh, Warriors Next Adventure is uh, it's a federal, federally legally authorized uh, 501c3. So everything, all donations are tax deductible. Um, I decided to start it in, uh, let's see, I started it April 20, April 2019 is when it got approved. I was already doing stuff beforehand because I knew that I wanted to help veterans and uh, I personally struggled myself. Um, I, I tend to tell people that the, the story of how WNA was started is kind of a sad story, but it's also a huge triumph. So um, 2015 was probably one of my worst years. Um, got out of the military 2012 and just things just weren't going my way. Um, I was getting to that whole poor me mindset, unfortunately. And then uh, I started drinking again, which I had stopped for a couple months, but I started drinking pretty heavily again. I found out that year that my daughter was autistic and uh, she's seven now, um, but she still doesn't talk. Um, everything's done through like pictures and stuff like that. So at the time, you know, everybody's got a blueprint of what they want their children to be like, right? So now my daughter will likely never have a boyfriend. She'll likely never live alone. She'll likely never have a job. Um, and it's it really sucked. And I made it about me at the time. And so I was poor me, poor me. And uh, I just I couldn't get out of that mindset. Um, later on in the year, uh, about June, I actually found out that my my wife was cheating on me. Um, which I just want to preface me and her get along great. Now, um, we've forgiven each other for all the bullshit of the past, but it is part of the story. So, um, I just had enough and, uh, I actually went up to the boundary waters in Northern Minnesota and I spent a couple days in the woods by myself. And, uh, I actually put a gun to my head and I pulled the trigger. Um, lucky for me, um, when you stop and think about the reality of the situation, I was kayaking. So likely some moisture got in the chamber and uh, that bullet, the primer was actually struck. When I actually, when I dropped the magazine, pulled the slide back, I looked at the bullet, the primer was indented and it should have went off. And so what I ended up doing was I put the magazine back in the weapon and I fired off all 19 rounds off into the lake. So I've loaded well over 5,000 rounds of ammo and I've only had one misfire ever. Um, 
So I spent the last five years trying to figure out why the hell am I still alive? Um, why me? Um, on top of that, I started practicing Buddhism and I started doing my own research, trying to figure out why are veterans so depressed? Why are veterans struggling? Why is PTSD taking control of us? Why the fuck do we keep killing ourselves? Um, and I just, it, it just was eating at me. And so I had to continue to learn and I had a thirst for knowledge. So on all the things that I started to learn about, um, I started to realize that, you know, happiness is a choice. You know, you don't just say, hey, I'm going to be happy. Oh, it doesn't work like that. It's a series of choices. And so on top of that, um, I when I started practicing Buddhism in 2016, um, I'm not a Buddhist because I just I eat too much meat and I swear too much. Um, <laughs> I couldn't be considered a Buddhist. Um, and some of my buddies call me veteran Buddha, which is kind of funny because you know, <laughs> I talk about mindfulness and being peaceful and everything. But I also like to strangle people in jujitsu and I swear too much. <laughs> um, so. I, I decided to start traveling a little bit and I realized that on my travels, my travels are really helping me because every time I would somehow find a veteran and we would start talking and we would start talking about issues and I would bring up the hard stuff, right? Depression, PTSD, you know, severe traumas. And the next thing you know, all of these guys started telling me stories about what they went through. And then, you know, a week or two later, I get a text message saying, hey, that conversation really helped me. So I realized that I, through all of my studies and all the homework that I've done, um, I realized that the main things that we need in life after we get out of the military are a sense of purpose. We need camaraderie. Um, we, we need something to look forward to, which can also hit on sense of purpose. Um, we need a mission. Um, a lot of us struggle with some financial issues and relationship stuff. I can help with a lot of that stuff. I do not help with financial stuff. I mean, we'll sit and talk. Like if you own a business, I will do my best to sit down with you and try to figure out how we can help. Um, like uh, TKL Knives, he's a Marine. Um, we talked a little bit. His business was struggling a bit. And now you can use Warrior and you can actually order some of his knives. So people are actually going to buy his knives. I bought, you know, um, you sponsored uh, one of our kayak trips, which was awesome. And I really appreciate that. And I downloaded your, your program. Um, I downloaded a few of them, but the, uh, um, the gym rat, that's what called it. The gym rat run. The gym rat. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So dude, your PDFs are so like, they're perfectly explained. So I, I've been lifting weights for a long time, but it just, it broke things down that I didn't really understand. And Thank it you. actually helped. I gained, I think I gained about four pounds. Um, I, I was just getting off the carnivore diet too. So I added a little bit of carbs, but it was just, it was perfect. So thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah. So I started realizing all of these travels, all of these conversations, like, I think I have something here. So when I was in Hawaii in 2019, um, I long story short, I got married again, 2016 and I got divorced in 2018. She got a green card and left. So um, we had a credit card and I had a bunch of miles on there. And so she didn't know about it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy myself a divorce present and I'm going to go disappear in Hawaii for eight days. It was great. I think I spent a total of like 400 bucks on that whole trip. It was great. That's amazing. But what I did was I used it as a retreat. Um, I used it as a reset and I spent eight days sleeping in a tent around the island. Um, I slept on the beach. I actually slept up on a mountain one night. Um, I met some amazing people and a lot of veterans that I was talking to down there, 
And I was telling them about all the stuff that I had been doing. They're like, wow, man, I've been here my whole life and I haven't done half of this shit. I'm like, dude, I'm only here for eight days. I got to fill in the whole island in eight days. And, uh, you know, just sharing some funny stories with these guys. And every time I noticed that I was bringing out some traumas, I was bringing out some things that they were, you know, that they were holding in. And I started to realize that vulnerability is the number one thing that you need to do if you want to heal yourself. And you need to understand that you are the only one that can heal yourself. And so, you know, anytime I have a veteran tell me that I saved their life, I'd tell them like, listen, I didn't save your life. You know, you, you were the one that reached out. You were the one that applied the things that we talked about to your life. And you're the one that actually made the steps. So nobody can change you, but you, you can talk to the best therapist in the world, but if you don't apply what they talk about, it's not going to work. Right. And so, um, when I got back from that trip, I had had a conversation with a friend of mine and, uh, initially warrior's next adventure was supposed to be a travel blog. That's it. You know, so I started warriorsnextadventure.com and I started making blogs. And then like two weeks later, um, I had the idea to go climb Eagle Mountain in northern Minnesota. And I'm like, I'm going to make a program called WNA Top 50. We're going to climb the highest mountain peak in all 50 states. And instead of doing it myself, I invited a bunch of veterans to come with me. And they came. And some of the stories that were told on that trip made me realize that I need to take veterans with me everywhere I go. And so I'm like, how am I going to make this happen? I, I can't afford it. And I don't know how this is going to work. And so eventually I started thinking like, you know what, I'm going to create this new nonprofit. And so I told a bunch of people and uh, they're just like, you're going to start a nonprofit. You don't even know what to do. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I'm going to figure it out because I know that this will help save some lives. Yeah. And uh, within two weeks, um, I had put in my 501c3. And uh, our second WNA Top 50, which is up in New York, I took eight veterans up to go climb uh, Mount Marcy, which is a 17-mile hike. And dude, it was rough, man. <laughs> um, and uh, some of the stories that we had on that trip defined what Warriors Next Adventure was going to be about. Because these guys, you know, three of them, I, I never met them. They were just on some shit-posting Facebook groups that I got to know because we used to make fun of each other all the time. And come to find out they were veterans and they all lived in the area. And now they're some of my best friends I've ever met. And I'm like, you know what? We're rebuilding these bonds that we used to have in the military with our buddies. But now it's different because now we're climbing mountains. You know, now we're playing with wolves. We're doing all this amazing stuff. And uh, I got back from that trip in New York. Oh, sorry. My guy, Charlie's in here jumping around. Um, so I got back from that trip in uh, in New York in... That was July 2019. And uh, the first piece of mail that I opened up when I got home was my 51 C3 approval letter. And I'm like, this this is all meant to be, you know. Um, and ever since then, we've reached well over 500 veterans um, since March 2019. And uh, our documentary tour, we're estimated about 2,000 veterans in about 60 days is what we're going to make contact with. Um and then from there, it just kept evolving. It's amazing how that happens. Uh, yeah, I love I love the mission set. And me personally, I'm not pushing this on anybody, but I'm I'm religious. I think that things happen for a reason. And um, and you know, uh, I've <clears throat> I tried I try not to share too much about this, but 
I've kind of hit my own version of, of rock bottom. It's nothing like uh, like your story, but um, but I can definitely relate to you know all of what what you just said as far as getting out and losing kind of uh, that sense of purpose on the outside. You know, uh, it seemed probably seemed like I had some things together. Uh, you know, I was working two jobs, I was going to school, but um, like I was working for something, but I just really felt like didn't feel like that was it and uh kind of had this mental crash and burn um and uh i guess i guess i'll go into it a little bit i started having like some health issues and uh like digestive health issues especially started going to the doctor and uh and there was like some funny stuff so i ran through all these medical tests just a laundry yeah. list of medical tests and, and uh, really too many <laughs> too many and before I realized that, you know, a big part of what was going on was in my head. And so that's kind of what made me reset and go, okay, I need to address, you know, what's going on up here. Yeah. It's not so much what's going on with the rest of my body. It's amazing how far that mental health goes. And so finding that sense of purpose, finding that community is very important. So I, that's why I'm so on board with what you do, because I can relate to it in my own way. Um, but your story is amazing. And, I appreciate it. Uh, Yep. And you're um, really a selfless person. Like I, I've, uh, I've watched what you're doing and you, you're not in it for profit. This is no. just purely to help other people. It's amazing. Well, like I said, you know, I, I, I was like, I wanted to take other veterans to do these things that I'm going to go do because I will do these things. It's going to happen. But I, I want other veterans to see like, you know, this might not be how you're going to heal, but it could be. Right. And then on top of that, you know, they're, people give me money now to do good things. And I'm just like, this is fucking amazing because I've always wanted to help people, but I just never was financially able to do it. You know? And then I personally on my own had dug myself out of financial issues. And so the last like two years, I, I personally don't have any issues on top of that. The nonprofit has a, we don't, we don't have any big, um, supporters. We don't have any like companies or anything like that. We don't have any backing us other than just people that I talk to. And we just say, Hey, look what we're doing. You know, if you feel like it, if you want to help, if you want to contribute to this, you know, just send us, you know, 15, 20 bucks and we'll see what we can do. I, I managed to raise $22,000 last year and I don't know how, but, <laughs> um, and then this year we're, we're just, we just hit $30,000 and I'm just like, it's, it's just been by talking to people and everyone's like, you know, where does your funding come from? I was like, well, I put a post on Facebook talking about how people can find out how to be mentally tough or to find their courage again, or just something inspirational. And I talked to somebody for a few minutes and say, Hey, you know, you're more than capable of being a better person. You just have to make the choice. And so I just talked to them about all the research that I've done the last, um, the last five years. And then I have some inspirational speeches that I give here and there, depending on who needs what. Um, and uh, it just, people just see what I'm doing and they realize that it's, it's a good cause. You know, yeah. nobody, nobody in my nonprofit gets paid. Um, if, if I would get to the point where we're big enough to where somebody would need to be salaried to keep this thing going, I'm not against that um, because a lot of people don't understand how nonprofits work, but me personally, I, the whole wounded warrior type things like where they're taking a couple million dollars and nothing against them because they have done a lot of good things but it's just 
it kind of makes me sad when you see that the majority of your donation money is going towards salaries. Yeah, uh, I've I've heard of a couple of nonprofits kind of skimming off the top and doing that, and so it's uh, it's unfortunate. But it's difficult. And the only thing that I would tell you is like you know I'm not saying I'm the only good nonprofit. There's hundreds of them out there. Um, I work right alongside We Defy. Um, they're actually helping me with the documentary. We'll we'll get in on that a little bit in a minute. Um, and then you know, twenty two till Valhalla. He climbs mountains and does jujitsu scholarships. There's so many people that that I've seen are doing amazing things. And so it's kind of restored my faith in the whole nonprofit thing since since I've been in it. Um, but you also see certain people who are not in it with their heart. They're in it for their pocketbooks, you know. And it's it kind of it makes me sad, and it gives us a bad name, you know. Yeah. So I just try to be one hundred percent transparent. And let people know, like, this is what your money's going to. So that's why you're going to see a lot of Facebook posts and you're going to see a lot of Instagram things. Um, I, I do my best to tell people what we're doing. It's not because I want people to say, oh, look at what I did. I was accused of, you know, being an organization that only cares about um, media and cares about publicity and shit like that. And it's like, you know what? There's so much more that we don't talk about, you know, because there's things that there's, there's none of your business. Right. So um, I'll tell you what the programs are and then I'll kind of tell you a little bit what we actually are doing. So the WNA top 50, we have the we're climbing the highest mountain peaks in all 50 states. We've hit five so far. Uh, we climbed uh, Mount Elbert, which is the highest mountain peak in the Rockies back in July and uh, or June. That was amazing. But once we hit 1400 or 14000 feet, man. I did not eat enough that morning and my blood sugar was super low and I damn near passed out. <laughs> but it was it actually worked out really nice because when I sat down, I was right next to a canyon and we just heard. We we're like, oh, my God, that's a fighter jet. So we looked down into this valley and an F-16 flies underneath us. And <laughs> it was so cool. Um Unfortunately, literally not one person out of eight people got any video of that. So now it's just something that we share with each other, you know? Right. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's been just amazing. And uh, there's a lot more that goes into that. It's not just climbing mountains. You know, it's getting people to understand what's your mountain? What's the thing that's in front of you right now that's slowing you down? If you can climb a mountain, you can do anything, you know, and you know, de defining what your mountain is, I guess, like, you know, there's, if you climb Hawkeye Point in Iowa, it's like four steps from your car. So that I, I wouldn't really count that as a mountain, but, <laughs> um, but uh, you, you got to stop and think what's the mountain in front of you, you know, and it's right. all, it's all in that, in, an analogy, right? So you have to stop and think, you know, what steps can you take or how do you get around this mountain? How do you get over the mountain? How do you get through the mountain? There, there's different ways to get around things. You know, you don't always have to go through it. Sometimes you can go around it. Um, and when we're out on these climbs, we're doing these things like talking about um, traumas. We're talking about things in the past that you haven't really gotten rid of. And so this has actually been verified by an EMDR therapist. On top of that, there's a, a female um, professor at Harvard who works with EMDR and um, uh, psychotherapy. She actually started doing her own research on how hiking is related to EMDR because of the left right movement when you walk right and so i had a theory about a year ago that was verified by an EMDR therapist a psychologist a um a psychiatrist there's like a bunch of a bunch of doctors and 
people with letters in front of their name, unlike myself, uh, <laughs> that have verified what I'm talking about and what helps and what actually works, right? Um, so I'm more of a show me, you know, I want to do it myself kind of guy. So what happens is when we're walking up this mountain, what's going on is, um, you know, they're telling me about their traumas while we're walking up this mountain. On top of that, I'm asking, what are the sights, what are the smells, what are the sounds? Tell me everything that you hear, you saw, and smelled. And then what you're doing is you're recording over that memory with a new, with, or you're recording over that trauma with a new memory. So you're climbing that mountain, and when you hear the crackling of a fire, like, you know, one of my guys was in a fire, and uh, he pulled somebody out that had died. And so his issue was, you know, knowing that he didn't get there on time. And so he was telling me about the sound of the fire, the you know, sound of the crackling, the sound of the doors swinging open. But now when he thinks about that, the sound of the trees, the sound of our footsteps, the sound of the creeks that we went walking by, you know, this, the sights of everything they saw are now tied to us climbing that mountain and seeing that F-16 fly by us. On top of that, you got to think about the smells. You got the smell of the ground. You got the smell of the water. You got the smell of the trees and everything. So everything is tied together now. So now when they have that flashback, what they're doing is they're they're thinking about that other memory that's attached to that flashback, and it makes the flashback much easier to process. So it kind of lifts a little bit of the weight off of it. And uh, that's been verified by many veterans who I've experimented with this with. And I always tell everybody I'm not a therapist. I'm not a certified counselor. I don't have any letters. Um, I'm just the guy who's done the research, and I'm actually actively engaging in it. I just make sure to tell people, look, I am not certified in this, but this is what we're going to do. And I want you to think about it. On top of that, with whenever I come across a veteran who I believe needs some professional help, I always suggest it. Um, I'm not trying to be a counselor. I'm not trying to go out and stuff. So you think of me as a peer-to-peer counselor or like a battle buddy, right? Um, so that the WNA Top 50 has not only helped with camaraderie, but sense of purpose and passion, right? Um our next program is probably one of my favorites, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of pictures, but the Operation Wolf Dog, um, that has been an amazing program. Um, we teamed up with this company called Minnesota Wolf Dogs. Um, she owns a bunch of hybrid wolves. They're all mixed with Malamute, German Shepherd, stuff like that, and uh, Timberwolf, Alaskan Gray Wolf. And so what we do is we actually go there with my organization and what we do is we build dog houses for these guys because they need, they need houses when they come in. We have about 15 wolves up there right now and uh, we build shelters, we build cages and enclosures. Um, on top of that, we go into the cages and we actually get to pet the wolves. We get to feed them by hand and uh, they'll lick you in the face. They'll, some of them though, they get super um, when they get really excited and they see you as one of the pack. If you have a beard, they nip at your beard and they pull your hair out. So that, oh yeah, that sucks because I've been bitten the lips a few times. But um, so I always warn people, if you have a beard, be careful. They'll nip at your beard. And uh, so what we do is on on top of being it, it's awesome. We get to play with wolves. Um, you also get that sense of purpose because what you're doing is you're providing a better life for another 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 living being. Right. You get to see that wolf. And every time somebody posts a picture now with that doghouse that you built in the back, you say, hey, I built that. Right. It's another thing to make you happy. It's another thing that you're connected to. You know, you're a part of something bigger than yourself, which is what we all are while we're in the military. We're all a part of something huge. You know, and you get out and it's almost like, you know, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? 
Yeah. So on top of that, you have the camaraderie because we obviously sit there and we BS with each other and make fun of each other. And if there's ever anybody too scared to get inside the cages, we never stop messing with them until they finally do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then uh, on top of that, we also get to help Minnesota Wolf Dogs build up their enclosures and everything. So um, we probably spend a good like 100, 200 bucks every time we go up there, depending on what we're doing. So if we need lumber, we'll buy some lumber. If they need hay, we'll buy some hay. We'll buy some, uh, their favorite food is uh, chicken thighs, the bone-in chicken thighs. We grab a bag or two of those. And then like hot dogs, we can feed them by hand. We we use hot dogs because it's long enough to where you won't get your fingers bit. So some of them are a little, they get a little uh, aggressive when they see food. So you got to be careful with that. Um, but that's been absolutely amazing. We've taken well over 60 veterans up there now in the last two years. And it's, it's my favorite program. I love it. Um, on top of that, we have the WNA podcast, which you've been a guest on there. Um, you can find our podcast that we did train like a ranger on YouTube for warriors next adventure or Facebook. Um, and then we have, um, the WNA racing. We recently purchased a race car. Um, now when I say race car, it, it's a Saturn ion. All right. It's not <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so um, there's a Hornet division for dirt track racing. So it's like Saturn ions, Dodge neons, and it's all stock. So the reason why I did that is a part for a Saturn ion is like 40 bucks. You know, if you get an actual, like, you know, a non-stock race car, you're, you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. I'll maybe spend five, 600 bucks fixing this thing up every year. So it's actually a way to save money. On top of that, we found uh, Vendela Racing. I want to give them a shout out. They actually donated a thousand bucks once they found out what we're trying to do. And uh, so that actually got us our race car. So we paid $2,000 for a race ready car. And then we paid $750 for a trailer. I raised all of the money and got all the trailers and the cars and everything in two weeks after I had this idea. So the race community really came together. Um, a bunch of other veterans saw what I was trying to do, and they came together, and they helped donate. Um, unfortunately, I bought the car right at the end of the season, and I only got to race once this year. Oh, no. So I am I am technically a professional race car driver <laughs> because my first race, I was paid a whopping $35. <laughs> nice. So as of now, I'm the only racer just because of liability. Because if you're racing in our car and you get hurt, it's tied to Warriors Next Adventure, and that's not going to look good. If I die, nobody's going to sue the company. So, um, But what I am going to do, what I've pledged is every single race, I'm going to donate the race winnings to Warriors Next Adventure. So I just keep the paychecks and frame them because I think it's cool. Um, but on top of that, I take two veterans to every race with me, and they get to sit in the pits with us. They can either help us work on the car. Like, say, if the tire gets flat, they can help us um, jack it up and change out the tire. Um, or they can just sit there and drink a beer if they want, you know, or they can just sit and watch the races. Um, on top of that, I keep the car in my garage so veterans can come over to my garage and we can work on the car. We can sit in there. And a lot of people who've worked on cars with their family members and stuff like that, some of the best conversations you're going to have together is going to be in there working on a car, right? With a bunch of Effenheimers thrown out when you nail your knuckles. And uh, it's just another way to get veterans together. Um, so you'll, you'll start to notice a trend. With all of my programs, the main focus is getting veterans together. Um, on top of that, we're doing a mission. We're doing something that's actually keeping us busy. On top of that, it's everything that's a little bit dangerous, just a little, right? 
because then it makes it an adventure. Right. right. When you step inside of a cage with a wolf for the first time in your life, you know, I've seen guys literally sit there shaking because they are terrified. And then next thing you know, this wolf walks up to them and they're just like, oh, my God, don't eat me. Don't eat me. Don't eat me. And then this thing just like smells his hand and he turns his back to you and lets you scratch his back. And you realize that you've been accepted into the pack, you know, and that's their that's the wolf's way of actually saying like we accept you is when they let you pet them. Um, like I personally, I got invited March 8th to go rescue a wolf. So Timber, who's up there right now, um, Minnesota Wolf Dogs has pledged when I get my ranch, they're actually going to donate, uh, Timber to me. So Timber's my wolf. So every time I go up there, I go see him and he loses his mind. I'm probably like the only person he likes to go in the cage. Um, but I absolutely love that guy. So you're, you, we're constantly tying everything to sense of purpose, camaraderie. And um, just mission, doing something, right? Doing something with your heart. Um, and then our last and final program, which will lead on to the documentary, is WNA BJJ. And so our goal is to get as many veterans to at least try jujitsu as possible. Um, I figured that if we're doing something like this, I want to team up with uh, We Defy. Because if people don't know what We Defy Foundation is, what they do is if you're 80% disabled veteran, uh, you qualify for a one-year scholarship, and what they'll do is they'll pay for your whole year of training. On top of that, they'll give you two geese. So We Defy is doing amazing things. So I'm like, you know what? I'd like to team up with them. And then, uh, of course, Military BJJ. Um, they're on Instagram, and they share a bunch of videos, and or they share a bunch of pictures and videos of veterans military training jiu-jitsu, which is awesome. I think you appeared on that, right? What was it? Military BJJ. The need to- yeah, yeah. I've, been, I've been featured on there. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yep. Everybody loves that too. It's kind of cool seeing you in uniform and then seeing you in a gi. So, so yep. check those guys out too. And then Operation Grapple. Um, I've talked to them a couple times. I bought one of their shirts, that OD Green Operation Grapple shirt. It's like my favorite. And then um, on top of that, we got uh, uh, 22 until Valhalla has a jiu-jitsu program. And then we also have, um, who am I forgetting here? There's one more. Damn it. I'll think of it. Um, so what we're doing is we're trying to get as many veterans training as possible. So if you train at my gym, Tracks BJJ up in Coon Rapids, Minnesota, Mark is an Air Force veteran, and he's like a father to me. He's amazing, and he's pretty much let me use his gym for my nonprofit. Whenever I have a veteran who wants to learn how to train, I bring him in. You come in for free for a week, and I do a deal that if you're a veteran and you sign up for a year at Mark's gym, I'll buy your first gi for you. So it's only hundred bucks out of the nonprofit, but it's also something that's really helpful for veterans mental health, because on top of that, it gets camaraderie, sense of purpose. You know, you start training and you get that first stripe, right? That, that feels good. Yeah. And actually you're like, damn, I want my blue belt. And then once you get your blue belt, like 90% of people quit, but whatever, <laughs> you know, all the blue belt shit is, right. um, but you have that constant sense of purpose. On top of that, I was a competitor. And in uh, 2015, I started fighting again. And 2018, I was ranked the number three welterweight in Minnesota. So um, I really took it and ran with it. But my goal was to be the best jujitsu fighter in the state. And I managed to get three submission victories in like three years or something like that. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, I got a TBI. So now I don't fight anymore. I just train jujitsu. And I've noticed that you know, when you get veterans training together, it provides us the camaraderie that we miss in the military, but you're getting that camaraderie with civilians. 
And so you're starting to realize that, look, just because they never served, you're no better than them. Just just because you served in the military does not make you better than civilians. It just means that you had a different life choice, right? And That's so, important. Yeah, it's, it's extremely important. So I don't I don't I don't want people sitting here thinking that just because you're a veteran means that you 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 deserve something or anything like that. But you need to realize that we need to be functioning, you know, leaders in the community. You know, and when you're always talking about like, you know, discounting civilians and everything, that's that's just going to push you farther away. And that gap is going to get bigger. So, yeah. um, but yeah, and then uh, we're doing our documentary starting April through June. That's awesome. Yeah, I kind of want to dive in on that, too, for a second, because sure. that is that is uh, one of the most uh, one of the most important concepts that. Uh, I, I think needs to get pushed onto veterans whenever they get out because they have this idea of nobody understands what I understand yeah. and I can, I don't have, you know, this community anymore and there's no way of getting that back. I can't talk to any of these people. L listen, there's a wide range. I, I kind of get why people come to that conclusion because what you get in the military is a consistent product. You get people who are consistently driven to some degree <clears throat> when you get out that varies greatly. Now you got to remember there's people who are, you know, not going to be on your spectrum at all. And then there's people who are really, really driven people. They have different experiences than you. They may not have served in a military, but they uh, you can still become a res respectable, driven you know, human being through other experiences. There's people who are, you know, uh, way more put together than me who have never served. And they just have different walks of life and they come to the same conclusions. There's people who. We have the same philosophies and everything else. We've come to the same conclusions uh, in life. We just came there through different paths. Yep. So, you know, uh, don't don't shut people out. I think that's like dangerous to do. You know, people isolate themselves and think that, you know, they can't connect with other people. That's not true. Uh, there's tons of people out there. You just got to open up your spectrum. I, I live my life as everybody has something to teach me. Yes. Everybody, you know. Some are going to teach you bad examples, but yep. they are going to teach you something. So when you discount what somebody's saying just because they didn't live a similar life than you, it's, you know, you're just hurting yourself. That's it. Yep. You know, so. But yeah, so the, the documentary is, it's going to be called Jiu-Jitsu. Um, we're starting it April through June. So I'll list off the states real quick. Um, we're going to Montana. We're going to Washington. California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, uh, Oklahoma. We'll be over in uh, Florida, Georgia, North South Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, Boston, New York, um, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and Michigan and Wisconsin. Starting in Minnesota, obviously, because I live here, but um, – we have right as of now, we have 26 different jujitsu gyms that are welcoming us in. So every gym is going to be the same setup. So the way it's going to work is um, it's going to be an open mat for veterans, um, but everybody's invited. So if you have a you know spouse or you have a friend you want to bring with and you're a veteran, they're not veterans. They're more than welcome to come. It's an open mat for everybody. Um, civilians are always allowed to accompany us on anything that we do. I just personally won't pay for you. So if it's something we got to pay for, you got to pay your own way. Um, but civilians are always welcome to come. 
because I want people to understand that we're all one community. It's not just veterans, right? Um, on top of that, uh, what we'll be doing is uh, every gym is going to be an open mat. We'll have uh, merchandise for sale. So these hats and a bunch of other things. Um, I have some amazing rash guards made by Fuji. Fuji helped me, um, let me design them with them. So their design team worked right along with me. They're, they're so cool. Um, shoot me a, shoot me a text after this and I'll send you one. Awesome. Um, yeah. These things are amazing. Um, and, uh, what we'll be doing is, um, it, it'll be run just like a regular class. So we're, we're calling them seminars, right? I'm not a black belt. I, I'm like a 13 year blue belt. <laughs> um i've moved around on gyms a lot so I, I don't know it's not up to me to get promoted so um the black belt at each gym will be the one instructing the class um i'll give a quick speech before the class we'll be recording the whole time i actually have two veterans coming with me on this tour so there's gonna be three of us together for for two and a half months and uh um what we'll be doing is uh I have a, a certain veteran picked out at every gym and I'm going to be doing an interview with them. So they're going to be mainly recording that veteran who I've already selected at every gym. And we're going to be talking about um, why jujitsu has either saved or changed their life. Because you hear that term all the time, jujitsu saved my life. I want to know why. I want to know why it works. And I want to know how we can get other veterans to see this, to see that this is a viable option to help you heal from PTSD or stress or trauma. And, um, so every gym we go to, sorry, I got three dogs on my bed and my kid, they're just going nuts. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be amazing. And then what we'll do is we'll, we'll likely go out to eat after everything. So we'll pick a restaurant that's fairly close. We can all sit and talk. Um, I'll have like wristbands and everything that I'll be giving out with my number and warriors next adventure on it. And, uh, we got a couple other things planned on the way. Um, little touchy subject is still kind of hard for me to talk about, but, uh, 2010, uh, January 6, 2010, I was stationed in Balad in uh, Northern Iraq. And, uh, I was law enforcement on that one. So I was air force security forces in the military. I was a 50 cal gunner in all my deployments. But, uh, in 2009, 2010, I got stuck on, like, I got stuck on base security and base law enforcement. Like they actually wanted me pulling people over in Humvees and shit for speeding. I'm like, no, not doing that. Oh, I'm sorry, Green Berets. You were going too fast on your way to go to the forest. Yeah. Oh, ridiculous. So unfortunately, there was a lot of domestics um, because the army was actually allowed to live with their spouse over there. So there's a lot of infidelity going on, um, a lot of people fighting. Um and I got a call for a shots fired on base for a possible suicide. And this is kind of what kicked off my whole need to help veterans is, you know, while I was still in and, uh, I got there and I walked into the room and he had taken an M16 and, um, he put it underneath his chin and he shot himself and went out the top of his head. And there was about a six inch hole right in the top of his skull, but he was still alive. Um, so I walked in and I mean, what, what could I really do other than just hold his hand, you know, and he slowly, he, he died right in front of me and, uh, I'll never forget the grip that he had in my hands. Um, 
when he passed away because I had to peel it off of me. And uh, just really made me think like, there's something's not right. You know, why is this happening? That was the first time I was experienced or I was, I was uh, connected to all that. So his name was Michael Jarrett and uh, he's buried over in San Diego, California. And uh, on his 10 year anniversary, I actually contacted his parents and um, something I'd been putting off because I didn't know, would this be opening old wounds for their parents or like, would this even be helpful? Am I just doing this for me? But finally I got the courage to call them and uh, she answered the phone and uh, <clears throat> his dad was there too. And his dad actually picked up the other phone. They're old school. They still have the old, like, you know, home phones. So they were both on the phone and I asked him, I was like, you know, um, do you guys know what happened the night that Michael died? And so they told me the story about, how he was getting picked on by his guys and he just, he showed up late a few times and he just couldn't take it anymore. Um, and he decided to kill himself. Um, what they didn't know is that Michael wasn't alone when he died. So I ended up telling them, I was like, I just wanted to let you know that I was there um, with your son while he passed. Um, I held his hand as he passed away. And uh, that was probably the most healing phone call I've ever had. I've probably never cried more on a phone call. <laughs> um, it was uh, extremely rewarding for me and his parents. And um, um, on top of that, I asked them if I could dedicate, um, I could dedicate the documentary to Michael because he was a part of the reason why I decided to get into. I'm sorry. Give me one second. You're fine. <laughs> Um, so when I finally contacted, um, Michael's parents, I, I asked him, I was like, can I, can I dedicate this documentary to Michael? Um, because I think that, I think all the time that I, I just, I wish I could have talked to him beforehand. And unfortunately a part of, you know, my VA stuff has to do with, uh, with me still seeing Michael at night. And, uh, I tend to have, I have a lot of dreams about him still. And uh, I've tried to figure out over the years, why do I keep seeing him? And I've kind of come to the conclusion that maybe he was pointing me in this direction. You know, maybe he was sent to me to help me realize that I need to help veterans. You know, I need to talk to these guys before they decide to pull the trigger. And uh, we'll actually be visiting San Diego and I'll be seeing his gravesite for the first time. Um, that part's probably not going to be in the documentary because his parents asked that they don't be recorded or anything like that. Um, but that will likely be <laughs> an extremely emotional part for me. Um, mainly because it's, it's some closure that I think I've needed for a long time. Um, and then we are also visiting um, the gravesite of one of the pilots from Fox five, seven, they were our overwatch in Afghanistan in 2012. Um, they were shot down by an RPG in Afghanistan, and uh, both pilots died. It was uh, Pace and Fazari. So we're going to go by and we're going to actually visit um, Fazari's gravesite in Walla Walla, Washington. And then sometime next year, we're going to go down to um, Idaho and visit um, Captain Pace. Um, just because it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm using this trip for many things. Um, to reach as many veterans as I possibly can, 
um, to get veterans training jujitsu, but also to, you know, let other people understand that closure is important. You know, making those phone calls is important, um, even though it's difficult. And you have to be vulnerable about these things. And so vulnerability is always number one with my nonprofit is getting veterans to understand that when you're vulnerable and you actually you let out these emotions that you've been hiding inside for so long, it will free you from your past. And so this this documentary, my goal is to make everybody who watches it cry <laughs> for good reasons, um, because some of these veterans are sharing some stories that I've already heard that are heartbreaking and to know that <laughs> to know that our brothers and sisters are going through this shit it's it hurts you know i am such an empath and i think that's why this nonprofit does so well is because i can feel it when people are talking about this kind of stuff um right. it's an extremely emotional job that i do that i've tasked myself with and uh, i'll gladly do it every day until i die it's amazing it is amazing. I'm 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 excited for your documentary. I'm I'm uh, glad to put it out on my channel and help promote it because I think it definitely I think it'll do very well. Um, and then maybe uh, maybe I'll uh, appear on it. No, you have to, man. You have to come. The stars on. We're uh, we're going to uh, Alan Shabaro's gym in uh, McKinney, Texas, and Alan and uh, Joey are the founders of We Defy. Um, so that will likely be on the Friday or Saturday in May, um, the first week of May. So I think that's the sixth or seventh. Um, the schedule will be out on warriorsnextadventure.com very soon. And I'll also share it on Facebook and I'll probably take some screenshots of it and put it on Instagram too. Um, but I'll be making Facebook events for every single stop that we'll be doing. Um, I'll also be doing an Eventbrite event for every single stop. So you'll be able to see it on Eventbrite. And you'll also be able to see it on Facebook. It's 100% free. Um, and the only thing that we ask is like to at least take a look at the merchandise and see if there's something you'd like to buy, because that's how we're going to get around the whole country. Um, I, I'm going to be out of a job <laughs> just to do this because this is something I'm extremely passionate about. Um, so I, I just, I want this to touch people. I want people to see this and I want people to understand that we, we don't have to sit there and feel like we're alone. There's a community out there. You just have to find out who your community is and you have to get out there and actually look and see what is going to be your passion, right? Maybe it's jujitsu, you know, maybe it's lifting weights. Maybe it's getting in shape. There, there's so many different things that you can do. And I always say before you kill yourself, make sure you've tried everything. And I guarantee you, you will not finish your lifetime out trying everything. There's so many things in life to do. Yeah. So I put that challenge out to anybody who's feeling suicidal or feeling depressed is to try everything. There's a reason why my my slogan for Warriors Next Adventure is explore everything. And I always tell people, explore everything. Every option, every crevice, anything that you can do that you haven't done yet, try it first. Because there's so many things out there for you. You just might not know that your passion is waiting right around the corner. Yep. Yep. Uh, one of my pictures on my website as of right now is uh, I'm looking up towards that mountain peak. And I said, to find yourself, you got to set goals and climb. So that's perfect. I mean, it's all relative. The goals are different for other people. You got to find, you know, self-esteem is, is an important factor in mental health. And 
being good at the things that you think are cool or that you think are important. And that's different for different people, um, is, uh, is a good step, you know, think about what, what is something that I could accomplish that would make me feel good about myself or would make me, um, happy. So, yeah, that's, that's perfect. Um, um, so I just, I want to leave everybody with this. Um, Yesterday, I actually went out and did a speech in front of a bunch of veterans. Um, there's this place called the Eagles Healing Nest in Minnesota. So if anybody knows any veterans who are homeless and have nowhere to go, this place is just, it's a veteran sanctuary. Um, up here in Minnesota, there's 80 residents that live there. And um, I was lucky enough to actually go up and speak in front of them about inspiration and finding what's next. Um, this place is absolutely amazing. So I, for the first time in front of a group of veterans, I gave my six principles speech. Um, I've had this talk with a lot of veterans, and this is usually what I do with veterans to get their mindset in a better position because mindset is everything, everything. I don't care, you know, what you're doing in life. If you have a bad mindset, your life is not going to progress in the maximum capacity. So if you change your mindset and you actually get it to a positive way of thinking, right? And the growth mindset and always trying to learn, and always trying to grow and be better than who you were yesterday, you will improve your state of mind. Um, but it's up to you to approve the, or to apply these principles. So um, and I'll go through it real quick because this was my first time giving the speech yesterday. And I talked for like two hours and I realized after the fact and everybody was still there and they were really paying attention. I was like, all right, cool. So this is going quick. I looked at my clock. Like, Holy shit, two hours. So they missed the football games yesterday. <laughs> um, so I came up with these six principles after my suicide attempt when I was doing um, the real work. I was doing all the work up here. And I was trying to figure out how I can be the best version of myself. And I realized that the number one thing that I do is I need to fix this. Because this is the most important thing you can do. Um, so my, my first principle is something to think about. Now, the, these principles are just something to improve your mindset. All of the work is done by you personally. These are just some things to think about. And if you apply these things to your life, you will improve your mental state. I promise you this. Um, so the first principle is you have to look at who you have around you. Um, everybody has their shooting stars. The shooting stars are people that inspire them people who push them to be better, people who encourage them and make you happy um, just by their mere presence. You know, people who are always going to be there to back you, but also call you out on your shit. Um, and then you have your black clouds. Your black clouds are the people that are constantly going to drag you down. They're going to constantly think about wanting you to fail. They're going to constantly think about you, you know, going out there and saying, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be nothing. Um, everybody has a black cloud in their life. And I promise you, if you cut that cord, your life will improve. Um, unfortunately, mine was my mother um, back in 2015. Um, me and her no longer communicate. And I don't have hatred for her. Um, I don't wish bad things upon her. I hope she's doing well. But I realized that she was a black cloud that never went away. And I realized that the best thing for me to do for my mental state was to push away from that. And it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, a lot of people think that's sad that my mom's not around, but my stepmom, um, she's been like a mom to me since I was about four years old. So she's the best woman I've ever met. Um, and 
once you make these decisions, right, once you really hold on to those shooting stars and you push away those black clouds, your life will start to improve. The second principle is uh, what do you have, right? Look at what you have. So, Daniel, I'm going to ask you, what do you have? I have a roof over my head. I have a beautiful wife, too, way too good looking for me. And uh, I, have, uh, I have a good family, good support system. I have good hobbies. I have a lot going for me. So, so that's, that's a typical answer, which is good. It's not a bad answer. But what do you have right here? What do you have right here? What ability do you have? What skills do you have? You got to stop and think, you know, what you have isn't always physical, right? It's great that you have a support system. I love that you have a good wife. You, it's, it's great that you have those things. But also think about what you have up here. You have the ability to figure things out. That's that for me. That's a superpower, right? You started your own business, you know, quite successful one, I would say. Um, you, you've done a lot of work on it. And it all comes from here. Mental toughness. You have mental toughness. You have, you know, networking abilities. You have media and marketing abilities. There's a lot of things that you have that a lot of people don't think about. So what are these things you have? What value do you provide to the world? So that's something that you have. And if you feel you provide no value to the world, it's time to learn a skill. <laughs> it's time to set out and learn something new. Find out what can you do to make your situation better, you know, by learning something. How can you contribute, right? And sometimes contributing is reaching out to a nonprofit like mine and volunteering. Spend a day with me. I promise you, I will show you something that will help you change. Um, whether it's helping somebody else, like we built a ramp for a veteran whose wife had a stroke and uh, they couldn't bring her home because they didn't have an ADA certified ramp. And a company was charging him like $1,500 to build a 14 foot ramp. I'm like, dude, screw that. I'll do it for you. I was a carpenter. So I have my carpenter abilities as well. We went to Home Depot and we got all the supplies and it was like 380 bucks or some shit. And I told Home Depot what we were doing. They gave us a 99% discount. We paid $3.49. <laughs> so it only cost the nonprofit about four bucks. <laughs> and uh, in two days, we built the ramp and now he can bring his wife home. So it's stuff like that. There, there's so much that you can do. You can hold a screw for me if you have no carpentry knowledge. You can hold a board for me. There's things that you can do that can contribute. Even if you don't have the technical skills, you're still an able body, right? Um, the next principle is, um, is there anything you can do about your situation right now? You know, when you stop and think right now, if you have a mortgage payment right now that you have to pay, you can't do that right now because you're right here in front of me and we're talking. You know, there's a lot to be learned between a conversation of two men like us, because you're a business owner. I'm running a nonprofit. We, we've decided that we want to be more and we've actually done something about it. Right. But you go back and think about how did we get to this point by prioritizing our, you know, all the things that we need to do. You know, I always suggest that right now you need to make a list, a list of things that are easiest things that you need to get done. Like the things that you can literally like brushing your teeth, write it down. All of the things that you can get done right now, I want you to make a list. But I also want you to make a list of all of the things you have to get done that are the most difficult things that you can think about, you know, like building something or, you know, getting a degree or something like that, right? And then you have to think about what are the things that are the most important. So you're going to have three separate lists, right? Certain things can be on all three lists. It's fine. 
But then you have to stop and you have to prioritize everything and decide, am I going to do the easiest thing first just to get some momentum? Because momentum is important. Um, once you check off like five or six things, you see it visually and you see that you are accomplishing things. You're going to change your mindset that way. You're going to understand that, listen, I, I'm productive. I can do more. And then you check one thing off. I'm productive. I can do more. So you have to stop and think, you know, let go of some of that anxiety a little bit of some of the really difficult things that you can't do right now. Because unfortunately, some things take time. You're going to need a month. Um, and so you have to really stop and think about that. The next principle is accept your past. Now, I have a theory that we live four lives. 1 to 25 or 0 to 25, 25 to 50, 50 to 75, and then 75 to whenever you die. Um, you think about it like this. Most veterans only serve four to four to six years. So you get out of your first life, or you, you get out of the military at the end of your first life, and you start your second life walking backwards because you're always focusing on the last life you lived. So what happens, Daniel, when you walk backwards? You're not progressing. Well, you, yeah, you're not progressing, but like you can't see where you're going. And what's going to happen if you can't see where you're going? Probably going to fall. You're going to trip and fall. So what you need to do is you need to stop. It's okay to stop. You don't have to continuously progress. If you have things in your past that you haven't taken care of and you haven't fixed, then you need to stop. And you need to, you need to do what's called unpack, right? Everybody knows about the whole unpack, right? You ever heard that term? Yeah. Has anybody ever told you how to repack? Mm -mm. nobody talks about that that's because everybody just expects you to re unpack all your shit and then move on it's not that easy right michael um the guy who killed himself in iraq he he will never i'll never be able to unpack that fully it's it's always going to be there right so think about a shelf right that's your shit you have to unpack all your shit you have a shelf that is going to be with you the rest of your life you have to decide what you're going to put on your shelf and how big that box is going to be. Because there's certain boxes that are going to be on your shelf, no matter what you have some horrible traumas that you went through. I'm sorry to tell you, they are not going away. It's always going to be in your memory bank. So you have to understand what power am I going to let this have over me? Am I going to let this control my life? Or am I going to understand that this happened to me? It sucked. I accept it. Don't like it, but I accept it. And you can put it on the shelf and understand that that box does not need to fill the whole, fill the whole shelf. It could be a little piece. And then you got to stop and think, like, what things can you get rid of? You know, what things from your past can you let go? And a lot of that has to do with, like, say some guy driving next to you calls you an asshole and you get pissed off all day. All day you're mad. This guy called me an asshole. You're punching your steering wheel like that son of a bitch. Why did he even call me an asshole? Like you're spending your whole day worried about this one guy who probably doesn't give a shit about you, hasn't thought about you all day, and you've spent yeah. the whole day thinking about this one guy, right? Think about this. This statement has made a lot of people understand. Nobody pays rent to live in your head. Nobody. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're, they're staying there for free. They don't care about you. So why? Why let one person, one action of the day, control the rest of your life? There's no reason. So you need to evict that person and understand that you don't need to hold that weight with you. You don't have to give that, you know, that experience. You don't have to give it power. So you get rid of that power. And what you do is when you take away the power of your past, 
you can do what's called um, my next principle is look forward to a positive future. So once you've actually taken the time to unpack everything and put it back on your shelf and realize what boxes we don't need to deal with anymore. Um, unpacking is important. Repacking is important. But if, if you don't think like, you know, hey, today's going to be a good day. You wake up every day like, man, today sucks. I have to go do this or I have to go do that or God damn it. I got to go to this thing and I don't want to do it. Start thinking I get to wake up this morning. I get to go do this thing. I get to go, you know, talk about these people instead of focusing on what the negative parts of what your day is going to be. Start focusing on the positive. I love talking to people. I love it. So this podcast is something I really enjoy. So thank you. Um, but I wake up like, you know, I get to talk to Daniel today. You know, yeah. I, I get to share some information that maybe will help somebody. Um, and, and that's all I want to do every day is who can I help today? I wake up every morning and I think about who can I help and in what way? You know, is there is there anything different that I can do to improve on what my mindset was yesterday? You know, what things can I let go? And you start to think like, you know what? Today's going to be a good day. You know, I go back and think about 2015 to the point where I was suicidal. I hated my life. Um, I didn't even like my children. Um, I was a terrible father. Um, I started drinking a lot more. And uh, I, I made the choice to try to kill myself. From that point, I stopped and thought, where was the person that could have saved me? And I started to think, do I have one of those people in my life? I, I don't think I had anybody anybody at the time, even though there was people that cared about me, I don't think I had anybody at that time that could have talked me out of it. And so I decided in 2015 that I will become the person that could have saved my life. I want to become the person that would have taken that pistol out of my head or out of my hands. And so I started to think, like, how can I do that? So what I did was five years in the future, I want to be the person that could have saved me. And then I had to stop and think, how am I going to get there? Right. So you need to lay out a path. You know what manifestation is? You have to. So, so manifestation, right? When you manifest, when you think about, say, hey, I want to be a millionaire. You manifest it, right? But you can't right. just say, I want to be a millionaire and then sit there and be like, where's my money? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Work for it. Right. Right. Um, you, you manifest a future and you manifest a person that you want to be. You essentially create yourself as your own hero, right? So if I were to look at you right now, answer honestly, who's your hero? Mm, that's tough. Yeah. Do you have any heroes that you can think of? Like anybody who you're, you would consider a hero? Anybody? Well, you know, corny answer is, you know, I look up to my dad and also, you know, there's, there's celebrities that I look up to for certain goals and okay. things like that. But so um, when, when I ask people that, it's it's funny how often um, people are shocked by this answer. But why isn't it you? Yeah. Why are you not your own hero? Right. It doesn't have to be right now. Think five years from now. That should be your hero. You should be creating that person and you should be manifesting who that person is. Well, you can stop right now. If you were to look at that man and say, wow, I'm proud of him. That guy's awesome. I want to be like him. Create that person. We can all create that hero within within ourselves. and We can all become that person. 
doesn't mean that I look, I don't look at myself right now as my hero right now, but five years from now, I'm absolutely my hero because I think of the things that I'm going to do, not the things I want to do, but the things I'm going to do. And I know personally that I am going to, other people are going to benefit from my success. I promise you that. And that's why this, this nonprofit has been so successful is because I live by these principles. I created who I am right now, five years ago. And now, right now, I can honestly tell you and everybody else listening to this, that I could have taken that gun out of my hands five years ago. I know I could have because I've done the research, I've done the work, and I've actually done it personally. You know, unfortunately, since I've started this nonprofit, I, I, I've lost count how many times I've answered the phone at three o'clock in the morning talking to somebody out of suicide. I don't talk about these things because it's nobody's business, right? So Warriors Next Adventure is a 24-7 suicide hotline. So my phone number is plastered everywhere. That's my personal phone number. So any time of day, if you're feeling suicidal, if you're having a crisis, call me and I will stay up. I don't give a shit what time it is. Um, if it's super late, you probably have to call twice because I sleep kind of heavy. Um, but I can't tell you how many people I've talked them out of shooting themselves or jumping off a bridge or jumping in front of traffic or just ending their own life. I've lost count. I really don't have a count anymore. That's really fucking sad to me. But on top of that, it makes me happy because I know I've created this person and this is who I want to be. So looking forward to a positive future and manifesting who you are going to be in five years from now will change everything that you do. Because you have to ask yourself every day, what's the benefit? What's the benefit to what I'm doing right now? Is this going to help me five years from now? So constantly ask yourself that question. And uh, the number the, the number six principle is it's the last principle. It's the most important, but it's the often most forgotten, which is the reason why it's the sixth principle. So when you stop and think about it, you need to love yourself, right? So love yourself doesn't mean you don't love yourself. It means, that, <laughs> it means you actually need to stop and take the time to do self-care. A lot of people have the conception that self-care is selfish. It is not selfish. Think about it like this. If you have kids, if you stop and think, how are you going to take care of those children if you are suicidal, if you're depressed, if you're an alcoholic? You need to take care of yourself. So if you don't take the time to actually take care of yourself and realize that you need to come first, it is not selfish to put yourself first, right? There's certain things like, you know, like I want to work on me, but I got to make the kids breakfast. I'm going to make my kids breakfast, right? Uh, but overall, with your life, you need to be number one. You need to be looking forward to who you're going to be in five years from now. And if something is not going to put you on that course, you need to stop and think, what's the benefit of this? You know, is it going to benefit me or somebody else? And so what I say to everybody else is time management is so important. But on top of that, putting yourself first, it will eventually spread on to others. So because of this person who I built five years ago, I now have a nonprofit that has saved many people from possibly ending their lives, right? So I get emotional when I talk about this shit because it, it means so much to me that not only somebody would reach out to me of all people, right? Random strangers. And uh, put their lives in my hands at that moment. But in turn, 
turning it around to re- make them realize that it's there's so much more to life. But the best part is when we're friends on Facebook or, you know, we talk months afterwards and I see them, I see them doing amazing things and I see them doing things like that night they could have ended it, but they didn't. So on top of that, I steal a little bit of their happiness, right? And so these are tears of joy, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's fine. I cry a lot these days because I do a lot of shit that is super emotional, but it's, it makes me happy to know that I actually have the opportunity to keep serving my brothers and sisters after I'm supposed to be dead. You know, I'm not supposed to be alive. And a lot of people say like, Oh no, you had a higher purpose. Like, yes, of course I agree. But what are the odds that one bullet out of 5,000 doesn't go off? Yeah, I'm not supposed to be here. So my second chance is all about trying to help other people get to the point where they can thrive. I want veterans to be the best version of themselves. And so all of this cool shit that I do with mountain climbing and and wolf dogs and jujitsu and race cars, shit like that. Yes, it's fun. It's awesome. That's my payment. Sure. Um, I don't make any money from this, but I get to do a lot of cool shit. But the real reward is when I get to see a veteran who I've talked to and I've been trying to help out and get them to improve their mindset, actually improve their mindset and apply everything that I've talked to about them. And I see them down the road actually being successful, you know, starting a business, you know, improving their, their marriage. Um, I've talked to many merit, like married couples, veterans who are married and asked me like, Hey, can you talk to my wife? Of course. And so I, I wouldn't call it marriage counseling because I'm not, I've been divorced twice. So <laughs> Maybe I've figured it out trial and error. I don't know. But a lot of it has to do with, um, with, uh, I swear by the five love languages, understanding how to communicate with people properly and realizing that, you know, me and you have a relationship, right? How are we going to show love to each other? And it's, it's like words of affirmation. Um, we can't really do quality time since we live on other parts of the country. Um, but then service, um, service to others is so important to me and to you as well, because you created your business. Your prices seriously are so low. <laughs> it's, it's a service to other people by what you're doing. You know, yes, you're profiting, but good God, man, raise your prices. Cause you are. Not- <laughs> um, Appreciate it. It's it's extremely useful information that you're giving out, and I appreciate what you do because you actually give a shit. And I I see you sharing some of the conversations that you have with some of the guys who are preparing to be rangers, and they reach out to you like, bro, your program really fucking helped, and they're actually making it into the rangers. Now you get to steal a little bit of that happiness for yourself. It's amazing because. You got to think, what kind of impact did I make on that person for them to go achieve these goals and then turn around and think of me after it's all said and done? Yeah. It really, it's kind of what's driving me now. You know, it's like you said with uh, WNA, it didn't start, didn't start a certain way, but it kind of evolved into that. And, uh, and when you see the kind of impact you can make on people, of course, you know, that's where the, that's where I started steering because it's, it, I get to steal some of that happiness. I agree. Yeah. It's a, I call it a healthy selfishness. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I work on myself and I get to do all these cool things, 
but I get to see veterans improve their life. And I steal that a little bit from myself because I don't walk around saying, look what I did for this person. That's up to you. So any veteran who's ever called me and we've talked and they've turned their life around, I just observe. I don't tell people. I tell my board members because they have to know what I'm doing, but it's any conversation I have with a veteran is between me and them. So when I get accused of only worrying about publicity, you guys don't see all of the shit that I do. All the sleepless nights up at 3 a.m., you know, talking to people, begging them not to kill themselves and just trying to get them to understand that you, you can be so much better if you choose to be. The choice is yours. You know, I've never gotten that vibe from your business. I've never, <laughs> ever, ever just talking from you. You know, we've we networked a lot on the back end. Yeah. Uh, that's important for people to know. This isn't just two podcasts. We, we talk all the time. Yeah. I've never, ever, ever gotten that vibe from you. But, you know, it's like anything. Anytime you're a leader of anything, there's always going to be people who think that, you know, they would do it better or, or whatever it is. Um, and and veterans, veterans are the most, the, the most judgmental people of veterans are other veterans. Yeah, that's true. They're always going to call you out and say that you're a fraud and you're a scam. It's like, you know what? Talk to the people who I've actually been really close to. And talk to the people who have been on, been to my programs. Look at the reviews on my Facebook. Um, anytime I do something for a veteran or with a veteran, I will say, hey, listen, if this helped you, you can help other veterans who are looking for help by leaving a review. Um, you don't have to. I never force anybody to leave a review. I don't tell people what to put in the reviews. But what I do say is, like, listen, if you leave a review about your experience with me, good or bad, it can help sway another veteran to maybe reach out and get some help. Yeah. You know, so, and again, I get to race, race cars, climb mountains, play with dogs. That's amazing. So, <laughs> Yeah. The funny yeah. thing is too, is I get a lot of people telling me, you know, don't burn yourself out. Don't spread yourself too thin. You have too many programs, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know what? I built a nonprofit based off of my self care. I love animals. I love animals and I love to play with wolves. So I get to play with wolves, but in turn, well over 60 veterans have got to play with wolves, something that they've always wanted to do. I love climbing mountains. I know how I feel when I climb a mountain. I want other veterans to experience that. And so I always get to the top first, except for Mar uh, uh, Mount Elbert. I had a, an army guy actually whoop my ass up there. Um, so he was up there first, but usually I like to get to the top first and I like to turn around and just watch these guys climb to the top and look around. I love that awe-inspiring feeling knowing that I just climbed a goddamn mountain. That feeling feels so good. And I love turning around and seeing that and sharing that with other veterans. And then, you know, the race car. Yeah, that's fun. The racing was awesome. I love racing. I, I used to race when I was younger too. And the cool thing is like they get to work on this car and they get to see it in action. Right. So you're a part of something. I, I would hope in the future I can have other veterans racing too once I get that all figured out. Um, and then, you know, with the podcast, I get to see people's emails and comments. And I, I usually get a text message, a email, or a comment about every podcast about, hey, what you said here really made me want to change. What better reward is that than knowing that something that you said? is going to get somebody else to improve their lives in a positive manner. There's no better paycheck. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing is what it is. Uh, I'm surprised anybody listens to me talk. <laughs> but yeah, certainly, know, <laughs> certainly, though, you know, just listening to you, I learned something on this podcast. That's what's cool about having guys on is I always learn something. Yeah, kind of going back to what you said earlier, everybody, everybody has something that to offer something to experiences, right? We're just, uh, um, I, I, I ramble a lot, by the way, but uh, young guys, I think. Uh, I just talked uh, for an hour. I definitely ramble too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to ramble, but I, I'm a big rambler. But, um, you know, young guys, the, the difference between young guys and older guys isn't necessarily processing power. Uh, young guys aren't dumber than old people. The difference is wisdom and experiences. Whenever you get older, you learn to stop talking and you learn that you don't have all the answers and you learn to listen a little bit more. And uh, not saying talking's bad, but I'm saying, you know, you learn to open your ears. Yeah. And then from that, you learn a lot more and learn that, especially when you make that connection. Some people it takes a long time. Some people never do, sadly. But whenever you make that connection of if I can open my ears, and listen to these other people and take in these experiences, you know, I can open up this broad spectrum. So, um, well, they always yeah, say I, there's a reason why you can close your mouth, but not your ears. Yeah. Yep. And so I learned, I certainly learned something today, uh, talking Thank to you. you. I appreciate it. Those were good questions. I was like, Oh shit. And you know, I haven't <laughs> thought like that. Uh, I actually wrote some notes. I don't know if you noticed, but, uh, but I kind of take notes, you know, uh, when you talk so I can jump back to them. But yeah. I think that's important, you know, uh, fixing yourself before trying to fix the world. What's, what's funny is I notice a lot of people who are down in a, in a serious rut, they, yeah. they want to fix the world's problems, um, as a whole, like a whole society. Yeah. And, and some of those people are in a really broken state. So I think that's important to kind of dial back and look at, you know, control what you can control. What can I fix about me? That's, that's important. You know, you see it a lot in, in a lot of, especially politics, you see people wanting to fix the whole uh, government and things like that. Well, yeah. hold on, dial back and kind of fix, fix, uh, fix yourself. Well, with my mindset too, it's like, you know, helping veterans really helps me. Um, I created this nonprofit based off of my self-care for a reason. So I will not get burned out because yeah. I love, I, I am so passionate for having these kind of conversations and discussions and seeing how can we evolve, you know, between the two of us right now in this conversation, how can we help each other evolve? I'm so addicted to that. And a lot of people think that, you know, compassion fatigue is a real thing. Um, I felt it. Unfortunately, uh, somebody who I had been talking to, he wasn't a veteran, um, killed himself on Tuesday. So I've been struggling with that for the last week. Um, I've been trying to analyze it and process it and everything like that, but no matter what, it still hurts. Um, but I've allowed myself to feel that too many times we, we try to, we try to empty our thoughts and feelings because we don't want to feel that way. That's not the way to do it. You have to stop and process those feelings. And so knowing that, you know, a friend of mine, somebody who I was actually trying to help him start a nonprofit for hurricane disaster relief. Um, you know, that project isn't going to happen anymore. And his daughter, you know, is no longer going to see her father. And that just gives me more drive to want to do what I do. It it doesn't slow me down. It gives me fuel. I don't want any more of that fucking fuel. I have enough. But, no. um, 
you have to stop and think, how am I going to let this situation dictate my future? And I think that's an important to uh, something, something I'll cover. I won't go too far into because, uh, you know, my family listens to my podcast and things like that. So yeah. um, it's a, it's a long story, but uh, I grew up with my cousins and yeah. one of my cousins killed himself. Um, and it, it was very hard on the family because whenever something like that happens, everybody looks at themselves and goes, you know, what, could, what did I do wrong? Yeah. What could I have done? And I think those are, you know, reasonable questions. They want to, um, they want to find the, the culprit and there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of, um, you know, finger pointing and, and stuff like that. Suicide's an ugly thing altogether. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to know what the answer is to that. I know after that experience, um, that was, that was very hard on me because yeah. we literally grew up in the same house. We were very close. So he's like my little brother. And, you know, I felt like I failed him because I talked to him all the time. We, we talked damn near every day. And uh, I felt like it was a failure on me. Other people felt like it was a failure on them. You know, sometimes those people are so wrapped up in their own pain or whatever it is that, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes you can't do it all for them. And, and some, and when they do that, they don't, you know, it's not, um, they don't mean to hurt other people. They're just so wrapped up in their own pain that, uh, that they're not thinking of, you know, what's, what's going to come after. I mean, it, it really did a toll on, um, the family, which we've kind of regrouped since, but it, uh, it was rough, very, very rough. And, and everybody had, you know, kind of this guilt and, you know, what could we have done and things like that. And so it's, it is suicide's a uh, hard thing. I think it's awesome that you're combating it in the way that you can. And sometimes those have limits. Sometimes people are in such pain that, you know, we can only do so much and that's unfortunate. Yeah. And I, I, I do have the whole Superman complex. Yeah. I refuse to let that go. I tell people all the time, you need to let that go. But I personally will will never let that go. I'm going to try to help everybody. I know I can't, but I'm going to try. You know, because you stop and think, you know, everybody says, you know, Tony Robbins says something all the time. He's like, there's a lot of things that were impossible until somebody did it. And why can't we try? If these people never tried... Just because somebody says, hey, that's impossible. But okay, I guess I'll just stop. No. Yeah. I, I don't care if I run myself into the ground. I I will do whatever I can with my second chance in life to do my best to try to improve as many veterans' lives and, and anybody listening. Because everything that I say applies to everybody. You know, there's a lot of folks that say, hey, I'm not a veteran, but what you said really helped. Well, of course, yes, because it doesn't have to do with the fact that I'm not speaking to only veterans, right? That That's my focus, yes, because I relate easier to them. But anything that I say applies to everybody. Everybody can apply those six principles to their lives. And I promise you, it'll help most people. You know, you're going to have certain people be like, oh, that's not going to help me. You're right. Because if you say something's not going to help, it won't. Your mind is such a powerful thing. You know, and if if you tell yourself, this will not work for me, it won't. If you say, you know what, this might work for me, I'm going to try it. You have a chance. You know, it, if you say it will, it, it might not always work, but 
you, you really decide what your fate is, you know, mind mindfulness. And, you know, have you heard about epigenetics? Have you dove, dove into that at all? Yeah, I'm familiar. So it's, it's, it has the thought to do with your environment is everything and your mind creates your environment, right? Um, sometimes you're surrounded in a toxic environment. It's up to you to get yourself out of it. But a lot of times your toxic environment is right here. You can change that. You know, yeah. it's uh, the power of belief is an amazing thing. And if you automatically walk around saying that nothing will help me, I've tried everything. No, you have not. This is a huge world. There's a lot of ideas out there. And I guarantee you, you haven't tried everything. So I'll end it like this. You know, I tell everybody, explore everything. Because there's something out there you haven't tried. It's amazing. Yeah, I love what you do. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate and, it. Uh, I look forward to hearing more about the documentary. You know, I'm on your team. So yeah, as we know that. more about it. I'll be plastering up everywhere. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I really hope you come to uh, McKinney, man. It'd be really cool to roll with you. Absolutely. Yeah. You can have a Air Force versus Army exhibition. There you go, dude. <laughs> Sounds good to me, dude. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me get this out, too. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate your time, and and uh, I hope it helps people. I hope people uh, who may be feeling this way are drawn to you and your amazing mission. So thank you. Again, thank you. And uh, for everybody listening, hope you have a great day. Take care.